Good morning. Good to see you all. So glad to be together in the house of the Lord, just to fellowship with one another. Um, anybody enjoying this wonderful summer that we are having right now? Uh, it's just great to uh, start seeing fruits of our labor and uh, flowers coming out, all the, the starting to harvest stuff out of the garden. Anybody else enjoying some of that bounty? Out of yours? Yes, that's great. So um, I'm Jeff. I get the privilege of uh, sharing today. I, uh, it's nice to be back here. I spend a lot of time ministering in other churches around our state, and so I'm just glad that I get to be here today. I'm just going to open in a word of prayer, and then we're just going to dive in, and I want to share what God has put on my heart. So Lord, we are just so grateful that we have opportunity to come to be together as a family to be together in your presence, to hear your word that it will not return to you void, but will accomplish what you set it forth to do. Anoint my mouth that I may speak boldly the word of God and that it will touch those that hear it. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So in 1980, our family, my family, my parents, and my sister, began a journey of faith. We stepped out and moved after my dad had got 20 years in um, working for AT&T. He felt like the Lord had called him into the ministry. So we left central Ohio and moved to the swampland of southern Louisiana. Culture shock. Big change. Uh, you couldn't understand the people. Uh, then we realized, oh, they partially speak French and English, and they mash it together. So they'll begin a word in English, or a sentence in English, throw in three or four French words, and then come back to English, and you had to interpret. That gift of interpretation came in. But, you know, we were there. We had just gotten settled. We got enrolled in the school. And one of the things down in South Louisiana, I don't know if they still do it, but they did back then, they loved to take... And when they poured concrete sidewalks, driveways, they would polish it perfectly smooth. Now, that was good as far as when you wanted to clean it. If you wanted to sweep up after you mowed, you spilled something. Not so good when it's wet. So this is where I'm going with that. So we had just finished dinner. And I was, you know, had one of those things. You either helped with dishes or you had to take out the trash and all those things, you know, depending on whose day it was to help mom. This day fell that I had to take out the trash and the scraps that she had from, that was in a saucepan. The problem was, it was a torrential downpour outside. So I'm like, I don't want to go. It's raining. It's lightning. It's thundering. Mom's like, go take care of it. It'll only take a moment. So begrudgingly, I go out we're living in a duplex, so I'm staying underneath the porch all the way past the other neighbor's house because I had to take it to the dumpster. Metal with a metal pan, under trees, lightning all around. This doesn't sound real great, right? Anybody with me? Would you want to be No, I didn't want to go. So I sprint over to the trash. I throw in the bag. I dump in the scraps. I'm running back to get underneath the carport, and I forgot being barefoot on wet concrete. I slipped, and I fell, but I also forgot about the saucepan that was in my hand, and I landed right on my side with the saucepan, and I laid there in shock, in pain, but I couldn't speak a word. I was, I was down for the count. 
it took probably five to 10 minutes for me to finally get up on my knees and finally scramble to my feet. I came, I walk into the house, I put the saucepan on the, in the sink, and I just went back and I laid down on my bed. I couldn't speak. This thing hit me so hard. And trying to find that breath. If you ever get your breath knocked out, that's a terrifying feeling. And so, I mean, it took a while and all I could have this real shallow breath is all I could take for hours. Well, my parents were kind of, well, do you think you're hurt? I'm like, well, I'm hurt, but I don't know if it's just a bruise. I don't know. So they were like, well, let's just let, why don't you just rest on it? Well, I ended up sleeping all night. And then uh, dad had something to take care of in the morning. goes, well, when I come back, if you're not any better, we're taking you to the hospital. So I'm up and I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to have to do this thing, go figure out what's going on. Well, by then, my breath was still... I could breathe a little deeper, but I still could not take a full breath. And so I was leaning against the post, waiting outside, waiting for dad to come home. And it was just like somebody cracking their knuckles down my side. And then there was that pain again, but this was a different pain. Because what we found out later was I had had broken ribs, and the ribs had pierced my lung. But thank God, no problem, we healed up. I actually had a x-ray several years ago for something else, and they were like, did you ever break your ribs? And they could see those breaks that had healed, by, and it was all by the power of the Lord. But I remember that feeling of that desperate feeling of just trying to breathe, of I just don't want it to hurt any longer. <laughs> And if you've ever had severe pain like that, sometimes you just are aching for it just to stop for a moment. That's where we start our story today. In Mark chapter 5, starting with verse 24, it says, So Jesus went with him, and great multitudes followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but, only, but rather just grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Or Luke says, who touched me? And, and his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You know, there are times, well, I guess, first of all, my question today, who touched me? Jesus asked the lady. He turned around, who touched me? Picture this back. You know, you're walking around and Here's Jesus, and there's multitudes. There's hundreds, maybe thousands of people around him. Everybody wanting to get his attention. Maybe have him pray for him, do something for them. And they're all around him. And Jesus said, "Who touched me?" You know, we walk out of here. We maybe we might bump into somebody just because we're 
going through these doors. It's small. We're in the lobby. You're going around. But this is a, a concert-like setting. All these people around. Jesus. Just this amoeba. Remember? You know, just amoeba soccer. You ever see that with kids? And everybody's just kind of... Anyway, something else. But you see this situation, and yet in the midst of it, something was different. One touch out of everybody's was different. And he said, who touched me? One person did it different. But you see, today we're going to look at the four D's in our life that we sometimes find. And how that, in this story, you see those things being laid out. First we see that there was a certain woman. She had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had a bleeding condition and it wouldn't get any better. She went to the doctor. She did all the, the, she tried all the treatments, everything they knew to do, yet she just got worse. I'm amazed how she was somehow was able even to get there. If, how the anemia she must have been experiencing, the weakness. Yet she pushed through a crowd of people to somehow get near to Jesus. But you see, there was distress in her body which caused her to enter into a state of desperation. If I don't get an answer to this, I'm dead. She was not allowed to be in public. She was considered ceremonially unclean. She was an outcast. Obviously, you must have something. You must have done something wrong or else God would have met you. I've heard people say that to people going through difficult times. God doesn't inflict us with pain to teach us a lesson. No. She was outcast. She lived a lonely life. Because people couldn't be around her or they would be unclean. They couldn't, she couldn't, was not welcome to go to church. She couldn't go to the temple to worship. Because of a physical condition in her body. Imagine if somebody said you couldn't be here today because of something you were going through. You're not allowed to hear the word of God. But you see, sometimes in life, it's those desperate times that we finally stop and look to God. You know, in this situation, you know, I, Tony Robbins, who's a strategist, life and business strategist, said it this way. In life, you need either inspiration or desperation. Sometimes we can be inspired by something. Other times, we're just desperate. We need. And it finally gets us to leave the normal. And for her, her normality had become pain and suffering. She decided, I'm sick of this. You know, a lot of times we hear the, the phrase people say, uh, desperate times call for desperate measures. You know, desperation can be a powerful force in our lives one way or another. If negatively, it can lead to fear. It can lead to us being isolated. It can open up the door to depression or even just devastation where you just give up. Or it can, we can turn being desperate into a positive where we just use it as a positive motivator that this is the catalyst that I am believing for transformation. I am not going to stay if it costs me everything I have. I want to get out of this situation. I want to stop for just a moment. Do you remember your desperate heart cry when you realized you needed Jesus? 
that if I don't make this decision, I will be eternally lost. I can't live this life any longer on my own. I need Jesus. For us, desperation is when we call out to Jesus. We see that this desperation caused a decision. She determined to do something to change. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him. Why did she hear? Did she hear about the miracles? Did she hear how Jesus had touched other people? Was she hearing about the multitudes that had been fed? Did she hear all these other miraculous things that were going on? What did she hear? This is the, it's all summed up in when she heard about Jesus. Do you remember first hearing about Jesus? Sometimes it was a, we were pleased, sometimes people it turned us off. <laughs> but there was something though that when we heard about the true who Jesus is, what he came and did for us, that all of a sudden you start realizing there's so much more here. But it says, she came from behind him in the crowd, touched his garment. When she heard about people being touched by Jesus, something inside of her clicked, maybe I can get an answer. Hope began to stir. Faith began to arise. Something about when you hear what God can do begins to ignite that fire inside. Sometimes it's just that little flint spark. But in your heart, when there's dry tinder waiting for something to light it aflame, when the hope of hearing Faith begins to rise. Faith comes by hearing, the hearing of the word of God. She heard the word of God about Jesus. And something inside says, this is my day. I'm not gonna stay where I'm at. I might get in trouble for doing this if I don't get to Jesus. If he's not who he said he was, life is no longer worth living. But I want to get near him. But you see, something about why did she touch his clothes? Up till this time, you heard about Jesus touching others or speaking the word over people, but not people touching and being healed unless Jesus laid his hands upon them. What, was it, what caused her to think, if I just touched his garment? There's a scripture that was in Malachi 4, verse 2. It says, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like a stalled fed calves. This was a promise about the Messiah, that if you, the wings were the edges of the garments, that she read, if this is the son of righteousness, if this is truly the Messiah, all I have to do is touch the edge of his garment and I can be healed. So when she came to touch, she wasn't just believing that he, she could be healed. She was believing he was the promised Messiah, the one that was coming to make things right, that was going to establish the co God's eternal covenant forever. That's a huge jump from 
I need a physical touch to. This is the Son of God. And this is the first person we hear that made a, a, a step of faith with that declaration. She began to believe that, as Psalms has said in Psalms 103, that bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his benefits, who forgives your iniquities, heals all your diseases, and redeems your life from destruction. That's what she was trusting in. This is more than just a, just getting this issue dealt with. I'm believing he's going to heal all of my iniquities, all my disease. Now we're, and the psalmist also said in 147 verse 3 that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I believe there was a lot more than just the physical issue. Think of the wounds of being outcast for 12 years. Not able to participate in family things. Not able to go to, at freedom to wherever you wanted to go. So when she moved towards Jesus, she pressed in and touched his clothes. Luke 8, says that she touched the border of his garment. She didn't go and touch up, she touched the edge, the, the wing of the garment. And immediately, the flow of her blood had stopped. What? I mean, just the shock. I think that the crowd continued on. She, Jesus was continuing on, then the stopping. But I think she was in of herself going, did this just happen? Did I, what I feel, was this real? Is this really the end? Well, then it becomes the detour or a distraction that came up. It says, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out from him, turned in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Who touched the wing of my garment? Uh, his disciples, I love this. Uh, you see this multitude that's thronging you and you ask who touched me? And he looked around and to see her who had done this thing. I don't think she had stood up yet. I think she was weeping in joy. But then all of a sudden, it says the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell down before him and told her the whole truth. What was the whole truth? You know what? Nobody knows her backstory until she told Jesus what we just read. I have been suffering for 12 years. I have gone. I have tried everything. I am flat broke. But I heard you were here. I reached because I believed in who you are. And I've been healed immediately. I don't know if there was a sudden thought of, do I get to keep this? Did I do it wrong? Am I, am I gonna get in trouble for being in the, this crowd of people? But Jesus said, 
And verse 34 said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Delight, deliverance has come. I am no longer who I was when I came and I encountered Christ. Life is breathed anew in me. I no longer have to hide. I no longer have to be on my own. I'm free to be human again. All that was lost has been restored. I can breathe. Can you imagine how everything you had to do had to be measured for 12 years? You could, had to stay so many feet away from people. You had to beg or have other people drop things off to you, but they couldn't come in and be with you because they would be unclean in themselves. So you're outcast. Everything has to be carefully measured out in your life. All of a sudden, all those restrictions, all those limits have been removed. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Do we sometimes miss opportunity to allow faith to rise up in us, to believe God can meet us, to meet the situations that we're facing today, the, the situations that we haven't even told people about? That, do we believe that we can reach out and touch Jesus and believe that he will meet us in that situation and he can breathe life back into those situations, breathe life into who we are, to breathe life back into our emotional being that we have been damaged from others? What areas are we holding back on that if we would push in and to touch the hem of his garment, go in faith saying, Lord, I trust you that you can meet me in this hour of need? What are those things we're missing out on because we're holding on to our, our identities of pain and suffering? You know, in the midst of this, think about this. Her deliverance brought healing that changed her physical body, her mental condition, her social standing, and her spiritual life. She was now welcome to go back to church. She was welcome to go back and worship. In the midst of all this, Jesus just did this. But at the, that first verse, it said he went with him. There was another situation going on. A man named Jairus, whose daughter was dying at home. He came, he met Jesus. This is day, either the, later the same day where Pastor Dave left off last week, or the next day, when they, but they had crossed over the sea this is the continuation of that story. God was continuing, to, Jesus was moving. This guy comes, falls at the feet of Jesus and begs him, please come heal my daughter. I'm desperate. My daughter's going to die without a touch from you. And Jesus says, I will go with you. And the, then all of a sudden, all this other, the throng of people are around. This lady stops the progression. I can see he's sitting there going, my daughter, every moment. He wasn't able to enjoy this time of this lady. He's weren't still worrying about his daughter. You see, other people can get blessings from God even in the midst of our the times that we're feeling desperate. But don't lose heart because the answer is still coming. Jesus was still going and he went there. Well, guess what? Immediately after this woman gets healed, people from his house says, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your little girl's dead. 
devastation. I can't believe this. That's why I came to Jesus. I didn't want it to die. I didn't want her to pass away. But Jesus says, only believe. Trust. You came believing I can do it. This isn't over yet. Don't give up hope even when things seem like they're dead. You know, in this message, you know, you hear this lady touch the garment. The next page over in Mark chapter 6, it says when they, um, again, they crossed over the lake. They like to cross the lake quite a bit. It says, and when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Whenever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment and as many touched him were made well her story caused a revival that people begin to say all we have to do is touch his garment all we have to this is the one imagine if we dare to believe god and start acting like god still answers prayers that we begin to tell the testimony of what God's doing in our lives, how he's changed us, so that other people, when they hear it, can say, can God still do that for me? Yes, he can. We have to realize, God wants to heal us, mind, body, and spirit, all three layers of our bodies. We must believe that it's part of his character. It's who he is. You know, Acts 10, 38 tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and who went about doing good and healing some. A few. No, it says healing all who were oppressed by who? The devil, not by God. They were oppressed by the devil because, for God was with him. He went about doing good and healing. What areas do you need healing in your life? Go to him. He will heal you of those things. He will restore in your heart. Psalms 107.20 says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. In Matthew 11, Jesus tells us, Come to me, who, you who are labor, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What burdens are you carrying? Give them to him. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in our time of trouble. If Psalms 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Isaiah 40 tells it this way. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Life, energy, flow into our bodies. He wants to us, when we go into what he is asking us to step into, if we get into his presence, he begins to lighten us. He begins to let us see beyond where we are today. 
Are you weak? Mentally, are you drained? Do you have no hope? The thing is, we, we know that he's a healer. He's the one that delivers. But Hebrews 13, 8 says something very powerful. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't change. He's still the God that saves. He's still the God that delivers. He's still the God that heals. He's still the God that puts people in, back in their right minds. What area do you need that in your life today? He's still the same. Isaiah 53 told us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace. Do you ever realize our peace was upon him and by his stripes we're healed. All the areas that we have disease, he wants to restore. Hebrews 4. Let's kind of wrap up with this. In verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's no, there's no office hours in approaching the throne of God. All the time it's open. Wherever you are, God will be there to hear you. You don't have to come here. You don't have to just do it at, at the front. You don't have to just go to the prayer room. You could be laying in your bed. You wake up and say, God, this is the weight I'm carrying. It might be business decisions. It might be bills. It might be all sorts of things that you're not anticipating. It might be physical ailments. Whatever those things are, there are weights that you're carrying around Cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Quit carrying all the weights that you don't need to be carrying. So as I'm ending this, I have a uh, question for you. Am I determined to find my deliverance? That lady was determined. I'm either getting an answer or I'm gonna die. Are you determined to find the deliverance you need in your life? Am I pressing in and reaching out to Jesus? Nobody else is gonna bring you that answer. No other substance Everything falls flat except Jesus. But you see, our decisions direct our destiny. 
Our decisions determine whether we get those answers or not. If we don't go to him, if we don't cast those cares, we continue to carry around a heavy burden that is unnecessary, and all they do are gonna limit us. I don't know about you, I'm tired of carrying around things that I don't need. Last week I shared a, at, at a church and I was telling about this hike that we took out in Colorado. And I thought I was prepared. I was not as prepared as I thought. Um, I, we get on this trail. We were delayed a little bit getting on the trail. But so we started off an hour later than we had wanted to. By the time we got halfway up, we were on about 1,800 feet of elevation gain so far. The sun came out, the heat arose, and I wilted. Needless to say, by the time we made it back to the bottom of the, I never got to where I wanted to hike to, but by the time we got back to the, the trailhead, I was laying in a creek with a life straw, sucking for all I could to try and get water back in my body, because I ran out of water on the way down. I was desperate. You don't care that you're laying in the stream getting a drink. You know, there are times when we are desperate, we do whatever we need to to try and get better. Are we desperate to move into the things of God, to live differently than we have up to this point? I don't wanna stay where I've been. I don't want to tolerate the things I've allowed in my life that the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said that he wants us to have life, abundant life. Let's just today decide we're not staying in that same place any longer. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you are accessible that even today you intercede for us at the sight of the Father. But Lord, may we know and trust that the Holy Spirit that's dwelling inside of us will quicken our mortal bodies, that we can live victorious in this life, that we can go and see those things that we've been struggling with, that those strongholds are broken in the name of Jesus and that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. May we go telling our story of how God set us free, our testimony of how God healed us, delivered us, and made us in our right minds. We give you thanks and praise. It's in your name we pray, amen.